How you doing, man? Weird week. Weird week weird this week. week. Man. Well, weird. And we also had a, a weird podcast, at least recording last time. Man, I don't know if you remember, I I restarted my garage band because it looked strange to me, like something wasn't quite right. And then I your, went back and listened to your it. Your site like, sounded like I just somebody ran it through the uh, the garbage disposal. Oh, that was exactly what I was thinking. Like I, I recorded sitting in a sink with the garbage disposal running. Do you want to do my podcast? Rub some dirt on it. Just rub some dirt on it. I love this podcast. Rub some dirt on it. My new super awesome podcast. I don't know what Brainiac came up with the whole dirt thing anyway. It's going. Yes, it's horrible. Bad. But if I can give what I think encapsulates our um, trashed podcast recording from last time, I mm-hmm. think it's that I used, I, I said, just imagine what the world would be like if books didn't exist and you told me I was having high talk and I'm going to let you know I've examined that and I'm speaking to you now clear headed free of free completely free of mind altering substances still stand by that statement you still man. stand by it I still stand by I it I don't think it's an invalid question it just sounds like the sort of question that would I I don't know if you remember but Lincoln used to have uh, well you used to be able to this is Listen here, in my day, <laughs> you used to be able to smoke a cigarette in a restaurant. And uh, Lincoln had this coffee house that in the back of it you could smoke. And uh, kids would go back there who, after just finishing like their third lecture in a sociology class, and, and be like drinking coffee and smoking cigarettes and trying to sound smart. And I remember like hearing these kids be like, well, if, if society would just, you know, predetermine the careers that people would go into from birth, and you're like, oh my God, just, uh, uh, you're 19, I'm gonna let it slide. And it just sounded like something that one of those kids would, but, but like, what if, man, like, what if, what if there were no books? <laughs> Yeah, that would be terrible. <laughs> that would be terrible. That would be hey, terrible. Which which coffee shop was that? The coffee shop. That's my favorite one, man. People like love the mill, and you know when you're, I know it's a summer day, and the mill patio is tough to beat. But I think the best coffee you get in like an is the coffee house, and Tuesday is double punch days, and that makes me happy. Oh yeah, double punch. Uh, double punch. Big fan, big fan of that place, and obviously the middle. I'm, I'm, I make it a point whenever I'm in a new city to be like, let's go, let's find, let's find that like the beat up coffee shop. You yeah, know? for sure. Yeah. Hey, but back to our reading topic. All right. I don't think this will feel weird, but I know we're gonna end up repeating ourselves a lot from last time. But I'm, I'm cool with that. I repeat myself all the time. Cool. Um. I'm just going to say again, I, I really, really, really dug your podcast with Elliot. And I want you to tell me a little bit again about what that experience was like and what Elliot thought about it when it was all said and done. Yeah, uh, he knows that I do this thing, you know, and so it was kind of like bringing him into it. Hey, you know, dad does this thing every week. 
do you want to do it with me? And he's like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was kind of a big deal for him. He was psyched about it all week. And then, um, um, you know, my goal with it, I, I, I think I, I recorded a whole thing and then just trashed it because I felt like it was just me pushing an agenda. And then when I, when I sat down with him, I just, my only real goal was to just respect his intellect and, and respect the things that he had to say, you know, and, and kind of make sure that he felt brought into or included in, in the, the conversation or the process or whatever. And kind of beyond that, uh, you know, he's six. I, 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 it's not like he said anything that totally floored me which is fine. It doesn't need to be profound. But I, at the end, I, I think he felt honored by it. You know what I mean? And I think For sure. that, that's, that's what I wanted. You know, one of the things that, even because I've continued to think about it and I've listened to it again since then, I mean, you would, as dads do, ask him questions that lead him in a certain direction, not necessarily a certain response, but like, hey, here's the direction that we go. Yeah. And that's not just dads talking to kids. We do that when we talk to people in general. Sure. But, um, and you know, you ask him that question, you're like, I, you know, how important is reading in our house? Which is kind of a loaded question. Oh, 100%. But if you let go of that question, let, let's say that you eliminate that question from the podcast. All right. From that episode. And you just listen. And then you ask a listener and say, Is so it important? Think, yeah. Do you think they spend time reading in that house? Authentically, that just came across. It's yeah. like, there's books in this house, and people open them up and read them, and it's just the norm. It's what happens. And I really think that his six-year-old responses were, this is how a six-year-old in a home where reading is valued would respond. Is it That might... That, that might be sound kind of self-evident, but I still think it's important. Yeah, I, th I think it is important because I think you came from a reading house. Mm -hmm. uh, For I, sure. I came from a, a reading house, and I think that I, I've always had books around and, and have always been. So you, you kind of don't see the water. It's like the fish uh, not being able to see the water. You know, yeah. it seems very obvious to me that I would do this. And then every once in a while, uh, it's, uh, I'll have to do this, but I'm imagining we w visited a, a, a friend's house, uh, over the weekend. And as I'm kind of like just mentally going through the house, I'm like, I can, I don't know if they have, <laughs> I don't know if I saw a bookshelf. That doesn't mean that they don't read, but I think, uh, Physically, even books are very prominent in our house. It's just yeah, that you can go get it. You know, go grab one at any time. John Waters has a quote about this that I love that I just won't repeat on the podcast because I want to maintain my gainful employment in the public education sector. But we'll talk about it some other time. You want me to Google um, it? Google, yeah, sure. Google it, sure, and then I can repeat can it, it on my side because I am um, not employed. <laughs> here's a here's a question I have for you that. And again, I think this is going to be a little bit of rehashing of what we talked about that people didn't know, but also a little bit different. What was it like for you growing up being 
a boy that reading and books were important to. Oh, Donna, did I you, just, fi- I did found you find the, it? I found the quote. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we kept the we kept the podcast like pretty PG so far. Yeah, that's not a PG. It's no, not it's a not. PG. Hey. And I think I first heard that quote on a Terry Gross interview on Fresh Air. Google it. If you want to know what it is, just Google John Waters. Quote about reading. Reading quote. It's a good one. All right. I well, think the world would be a better place. I really do. Uh, anyway, but tell me about what it was like for you being a boy. Because, you know, you, you have expressed being a boy where reading and books are important. Some difficulty with that and your perception and kind of the perception of the people around you. And then how do you think, what is it like being a, a boy? What's it going to be like being our sons? Yeah. And the perception of reading now. Well, so specifically, I, I felt like that the the act of writing and specifically writing poetry, like that was not a a boy thing. And we talk, you know, it's kind of ironic because I probably couldn't name a female poet until <laughs> until I was quite a bit quite a bit uh, older. So I I. Uh, uh, that's that's just a weird thing in my mind. I'm like, don't I don't know how I came to that conclusion, but I was very aware of. Uh, I think I had an aunt who wrote poetry, and I think you know, love poetry was presented as this thing that like girls like and girls do, and uh, so I think poetry I was aware of as a thing that's not really, it's not really a thing that guys do, um, and. Uh, I don't remember, frankly, how much I touched on this uh, in the in the conversation with Elliot. I was very aware of reading for information as being a boy thing. So, oh, you did you did talk to Elliot about that specifically? Kind of the difference between like an information book right. or an information resource, and and I can't even remember what the other and just like re- reading for pleasure, right? Like yeah. reading a novel. So, like I I <clears throat> cannot. Think of a. I'm sure he has. I cannot think of a novel that my dad has read. Oh, uh, not true. Uh, there's like allegories, like Christian allegories. Uh-huh. You, heard, you know what I mean? Like For where sure. this guy named uh, Sadness came along, and he made you know, and then a guy named Hope came along. So like those kinds of allegories, or um, he would read like uh, uh, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe to us. But when I saw him reading for him, it was all nonfiction. So interesting. The, the full range, right? Whether that was yeah. like how to parent or or how to parent a difficult child, uh, volume eight, um, whatever it was. But I always saw him reading those types of books. Did you see? Are you? Wait, when you picture your dad reading, what are you seeing? Oh, lots of different stuff. You know, I'm honestly, oh, really? when I say, when my first picture of him reading is uh, sitting in bed next to me, reading me Ricky Ticky Tavi. I mean, that's vivid. This is just absolutely vivid. Him that's reading, reading to you, though. That's reading to me, but it's really diverse. I mean, there was a lot of political and a lot of history books that my dad would read. Um, still a really big fan of not fiction. He could recite Edgar Allan Poe and Shakespeare from heart. Um, 
and not like the typical stuff. Like everybody had to memorize Raven, I think, when my parents grew up. But sure. d- dad could just gaily be died a gallant night in sunshine and shadow, turning long, singing a song, search of El Dorado. I mean, he would just, that stuff would just roll. Yeah. And, and it was, and I, I don't know. I, I just kind of assumed everybody's dad did that. Everybody's dad had a bookshelf with right. a bunch of different stuff on it. Yeah. Um, and it didn't really seem odd to me. You know, that's, I think a difference that you and I have is I, I've even kind of doubled down on it on our last conversation that to me, I think being an author is almost a hyper masculine activity. And maybe it's just because a lot of what I read, maybe especially early, was really masculine stuff. Like I think of guys like, you know, you go really old school and think Hemingway or much more contemporary and more recently deceased Jim Harrison. I mean, those are guys that relish being a man's man. I wish you could. You know what this podcast is missing? What's that? Is uh, Is the faces that I make at you. When you say these things, <laughs> that, you know, fine. we can we can figure this out. We, it's we can not, start it's to fine. Do... Continue. It's just a raised eyebrow there. It's coming back down. But, but, but continue. But I think you know, you talk about writing poetry and how that's not like a guy's thing. And right. To to me, I have, and I, I'm going to even say. Well, I when should... I'm saying I'm going to double down on it's a hyper-masculine activity, I think uh, that's incorrect. In my perception, it has just always seemed so, and I'm realizing that's not the norm. But I have always been, are you man enough to write poetry? <laughs> Which I think is odd. It's but, odd, uh, but that's uh, but just I what my context I, was. So in my mind, that phrase is, uh, is akin to, like, are you man enough to wear a dress? Like, Oh, t- Totally could be loaded up that way. Totally okay. could be loaded up that way. Jay, I, I am. I wore a dress once. I looked good in it. Um, no, you know, I I've, I've got the I legs did. for it. I will say that. Really? Uh, yeah. I've seen your legs. <laughs> I I I'm going to throw this out there. I'm oh. going to shout out shout out to my mom. I've got my mom's legs. People call us Quadzilla. Thinking the, the thighs, full, baby. The, the, all power. Just all power? Okay. All power. Dad's got chicken legs. Me and mom, we got the thunder. <laughs> the thunder. Um, I, is it a masculine activity? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I definitely, like, there are authors like Hemingway, like, I think even to a degree, uh, Chuck Palahniuk, who just, uh, the the, the the way the sentences are written almost feels chauvinistic. Um, oh, yeah. You know, like <laughs> for it, sure, on just Chuck. it just embodies this sort of masculinity. But I I uh, it, I never th- so poetry. I definitely think about it in the context of like what's expected expected from a gender. And I I told you this before, but I always. Uh, I would write poetry, but call it lyrics because I, yeah. you know, uh, who writes poetry? Little, little Susie writes poetry, but, but you know who writes? rockers write song lyrics. like Kurt Cobain writes lyrics, and so I can write lyrics. You um, see these things I'm writing down? You won't even be able to understand them when we're screaming them from the stage. 
Uh, yeah, and I definitely wrote those kinds of lyrics as well. They're in a box in the garage. I'll, I'll have to hit you with some. Uh, but I think for me, like writing prose and writing fiction was just uh, a natural response to reading and kind of wanting to participate in the conversation at some point. Like I, I would read, who, who makes me want to do this? It's interesting. Certain writers make me want to write and certain writers, I'm like, oh, good, you do that thing. Uh, uh, Dave Eggers makes me want to write. John Updike does not. Does it? Does Interesting. That, does that make it sense? It totally, totally makes sense. Which, you know, and that's we keep on saying. Hey, we talked about this last time, and I'm sure it's annoying for the people listening. But this is for you and me, so who cares? Yeah. So, um, but you know, one of the things I think we had a little bit of a difference on is, I don't know. I mean, for me, it has certainly been valuing reading has become valuing writing, but I see them as two distinct things. I mentioned last time we had, I had a professor that said your progression is people read to you, then you read, then you write that that's, and he was specifically talking about books. He said, that's how the human brain should work. Sure. In your development, people read a book to you, then you will read a book and then you will write a book. And he said, not everybody gets there, but then they're stunted. They, they should be doing this. And I don't necessarily agree with that. I don't agree with that at all. But, um, I think it's cool when it happens and I get people who don't really want to write. I have a harder time getting people who don't want to read. Yeah. Yeah. And, to me, it's like I know I end up using fighting analogies. I think there's a lot of people who would be more likely to enjoy watching a combative uh, competition as opposed to actually then taking that next step and getting in the cage. And uh, to oh, me, in, writing, the ca- uh, in the cage, how about yeah, it? Yeah, writing's okay. getting in the cage. Okay. Again, I'm hyper masculinizing. That's not even a word. Um, this whole writing and reading thing. And uh, I, I definitely, I definitely disagree that it's a progression. I think that places some value on the act of writing that I don't think is necessarily there. Like it doesn't. I'm not further in my journey as a reader. Further, farther. I'm not. I haven't gone farther. More advanced. <laughs> I haven't gone farther. In my journey as a reader, just because every now and then I sit down and type, and I, I want to do that. I, that's ridiculous to me. Uh, well, I, let me ask you this question. Getting back to being dads and having sons. All right. On that scale, how important is it to you that your son loves and values reading when compared to that your son loves and values writing? Are they I, equal? It, uh, no, I, I, uh, if he never writes a short story except for when it's required for school assignments, I'm kind of fine with that, you know? Um, dude, that, I didn't expect this, but I didn't expect that from you, and I didn't expect it from me. I'm, I'm on the same page there. It's, and you know, I said when we recorded this last time, if my son does not, if I have conversations with my son as an adult on a consistent basis, and I say, what have you been reading? And his <laughs> answer is always nothing. It'll break my heart. Yeah. It's not true about writing. Right. 
And that well, and that was a big thing that you said too. I've been thinking about that, and like, I I think if he says nothing, I'll be crushed. If he says, uh, I, oh, I've been reading the. Well, I'm trying to pick like a what would a book that would be like the opposite of what I would read. <laughs> like, uh, I've been reading the parts manual for a. For refrigerators or what that's even a bad example but if he if he was reading like uh those like western novel like pulp fiction yeah kind of you know drivel i i think i'd be okay with that even i i i for me um i think there was a time in my life where i was like well you have to read whatever tony morrison you haven't read beloved <laughs> you know who are you the john waters quote insert john waters quote here um and i would like go over to people's houses and look at their bookshelves and be like all right this guy's got some murakami on it okay all right we can be friends oh and i, I think i'm over that now i think that's that's kind of like judging people by their musical tastes and being like well this guy likes waylon jennings so we're not we're not going to be cool or we are. Um, I think I would be okay with whatever, as long as there's something in that answer. Yeah. I, I, where, where, where are you? I, if, if I, I, easy comes over, that... comes home for Thanksgiving and he's like, dad, I've been reading Daniel Steele. <laughs> Just putting down Daniel Steele novels. <laughs> I mean, are you? I feel like you're not disappointed. I feel like you're you're having the reaction that you just had, which is like, all right, man, whatever, hit me yeah, with it. I'm good with it. What's good with I'm, what's I'm, good about I'm that? I'm gonna throw some. I'm gonna throw some titles his way. You know, I really, I like it when people want to read things that challenge them, that that challenge maybe what they're thinking that. They, sure. I'm reading this because I want to learn something from it. Or I also think it's really super important. I become less snobbish on it, but you know, I think there's things. It's just great if we all read this because then we all have that cultural touchstone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's part of our common conscience. The older I've gotten, the further away I've gotten from that. And well, you know, pretty, I only yeah. have so much time to read, and so if it's garbage, I don't want to put it in my brain. Um, but yeah, it's like if he's reading, I'm I'm good. You're good. If he's reading, I'm good. Um, all, all apologies to Danielle Steele. I'm just like realizing, like I don't value. But let's say it's a horrible author. Like those, I just did those two things back to back. Like, well, like you know no. what I mean? Like I just said, like okay, there's no. Let's not attach a value to like certain types of books. And then, by the way, Sam, here's a terrible one. I don't know. I haven't read Daniel Steele. Who knows? I haven't either. Who and knows? Years ago, years ago, I read an interview with Stephen King where he was talking about how often the horror genre got trashed and he wanted it to not be trashed. And he said, you know, and really that applies to any genre. He's like, with the sheer number of romance novels that that come out there has to be just by percentage some incredible writing in there oh yeah right? that there's <laughs> got to be a, yeah. that there, there's got to be a romance novel that if we all read it we'd go 
how have I missed this? Yeah. This is incredible writing. He said it's impossible for it to not be out there, but we don't know it because we just dismiss the genre. I heard this. I don't know if this is true. I, I heard that Nathaniel Hawthorne told his wife that The Scarlet Letter was a romance novel. And then she re- she read it and just got furious. <laughs> I think I've read that same thing. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's true, but I don't know how these books were perceived at the time, or I don't know what you were, what the rules were. But you know, uh, yeah. As long as you're participating, yeah. I don't, I don't care so much about uh, writing. To me, seems like kind of the icing on the cake. Like that's a thing that I've. I feel, uh, you know, lucky to have been able to participate in it. It's like watching stand-up. Like, I love watching stand-up. And I know some people watch stand-up and go, God, I, I got to get out there and I got to read some jokes. <laughs> that never, no. No desire. No desire it's to a, hit the I stage. I like that and, analogy. And punch I like that punch analogy. That makes jokes. sense. Um, uh, but so if somebody does... Good, good on you. I don't think yeah, it makes sure. you... I don't think it makes you a better... Uh, person yeah yeah it's not a I don't like that that uh, value of the the progression thing I'm not down with that well, I, I tell you what I've got another topic for us to talk about for another episode and that's um, fostering creativity in boys because if I want my son to love reading that's really it's a non-negotiable in my heart and I sure hope that I can make that happen if he doesn't write I'm good with that but if he does not have a creative outlet in some capacity it's not reading heartbreaking breaking it's in the ballpark though uh interesting which I, I don't know I don't think I'm going to say anything else about that but I think creativity in boys and a father's role is a very interesting conversation we should have in the future. Yeah, and that's a, that has a lot of attachments to we always we always try to bring some kind of gender discussion into it. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I want to sit with that for a minute. So tell me this back to what we're talking about now. How challenging do you think it is with your context and your experience and what it was like being a boy? And the facet of reading and writing in your life then and fostering that appreciation of reading now for your six-year-old. How much of a challenge do you think it is? Uh, not. Uh, not at all. I, I mean, I, I, look, there are some aspects of fatherhood that are just pure acting you know what i mean yeah yeah i do and tell me what you mean though <laughs> well i'm still formulating a thought here so i thought maybe you could jump in say <laughs> okay, something well, smart while my gears are turning i i, I don't feel like reading is is acting from i've i've i am a reader and and have been a reader um and there may have been points in my life when I read a little less, but it's, you know, uh, I've always had one or two things with a bookmark in them on the shelf that I'm kind of working through. Uh, uh, so you're saying that because it's always been 
such a natural thing for you. Yeah, like I'm just doing it. You know and what I mean? It's just, and it's just translating. Yeah, uh, if I, yeah, like I'm doing it, uh, and then all right, I gotta put the kid to bed. Well, I'm gonna, you know, when he was a baby, I would just sit. There's all these pictures of me because I was in grad school when Elliot was born. There's all these pictures of like me. You gotta have the classic like dad passed out with the kid photo yeah yeah and then in, like in my other hand i have like a book <laughs> my thing because i passed out reading I with my you. kid you know um or these pictures of like him playing with the uh, duplos on the floor and i'm like reading a book because i you know in grad school i was mm-hmm. putting down like one or two novels a, a week because uh, i had to and um it, so it was always there and then eventually you're just like, well, it's nighttime and I got to calm this kid down. So I'll just read this book. And I was reading him uh, books before he could speak mm-hmm. just to introduce language into the thing. And then eventually he could understand the books. And then, you know what I mean? So the tr- there's yeah. no real like transition where you mark that point and you say, oh, this is where this is how I I did the thing. I'm trying to think of something where I like totally have to act probably like my skills in the kitchen like i want <laughs> making him... mac and cheese <laughs> oh oh it burns um man every time i make mac and cheese i'm gonna let you know i'm about to open that cheese packet it's just the thing i do now it's just painful it's painful hey, where where are elliot's peers and friends at when it comes to i mean do you have a perception of what his his oh cuz it's a his appreciation for reading as compared to mm-hmm. the friends he rolls with yeah cuz it's a competition and he needs to no, win no, is that what no, you're, not the, yeah. no not no mm-hmm. not that it's a competition <laughs> and it needs to win no, I it's know. uh it's um no it's uh in that you know we've talked about okay what what's like the norm what's the expectation yeah, yeah. what's what's like the societal pressure to or not to and you know, it's like I said before, I just assumed everybody's dad was like this. Well, we got to. Yeah, I, I'm dealing with uh, I'm in competition with the super dad uh, in uh, in at uh, at his school. And this guy is a like he's a lawyer. His uh, he's doing, he's like saving the water. Uh, basically, like he does a crazy like water rights legislation, like wildly intelligent guy, just super cool, uh, super green energy, like whatever. And his daughter has put down uh, like all of the Harry Potter books, like they're just plowing through stuff. And she is uh, so art. It's like talking to a um like a very well-mannered uh, high school kid. Are you talking to this first <laughs> grader? Yeah. So I know she reads more, uh, but, uh, but I also know like Elliot is up there. Uh, not, and, and you can almost just tell by the way that they talk to you, these kids, whether or not <laughs> yeah. their parents are reading to them. You know what I mean? In my 22nd year as a professional educator, word. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that a lot. <laughs> For yeah, you certain. know, I, I look my uh, sample size is like fifteen kids that I 
you know, know and converse with and kind of know what's going on at home. Uh, but you know, your sample size is a little bigger. Yeah, it's just a little big. Yeah, you, I think I can talk to any given person, any given kid at any different age level, and you give me four minutes, and I know how much reading's happening at home. Yeah. It's just the communication, right? I mean, Absolutely. I, I think it pays off in other ways, too, but it's like, well, all right. Hey, getting back to this super dad, though, does he have a band? Oh, you know what? I don't think so. I, it, uh, honestly, have a band. it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't ah, surprise son of me. A gun. You're gonna find this super dad. It's. I feel like there's one in every town, and he's just effortlessly just like crushing it. You roll over to his house for a play date, and he's like, "Oh, I, I have a bouncy house." <laughs> Why do you have a bouncy house? Who are you? Who has one? Uh, no, he's a good. He's a good dude, but I. Uh, I, I, I was unrelated to our topic, but really I do feel like, like parenting and being a great parent is just more effortless for some people and it is, uh, it requires more effort from others. So, Oh, for sure. Um, well, one of the things that you're giving me some peace though, because again, getting back to, if my son's not a reader, it will break my heart. And I think being a reader for me was so effortless yet became such a priority um, that I have, you know, it's one of the things I'm worried about. It's like, oh, I hope he gets this. But you're like, hey, uh, Sam, there's a lot of stuff that's really confusing, really hard and doesn't come naturally. Uh, Elliot reads and it worked out easy. Yeah, I think. Yeah. And, you know, I go back to, like, Ezra loves, loves, loves books. And he will just go grab book after book. And he he's going to be two January 4th. And he knows what his favorites are. And he engages with them. And I'm like, okay, I'm doing this right. And I'm like, can't let the foot off the gas, though, man. This is important. Well, other things And it's one of those things I probably yeah. need to just chill on and be me. Other things come in and compete, right? Eventually, screen time's going to show up. Yeah, And for rear sure. its ugly head. And, you, you know, in our house, we're just, like, very quick with that power button. Pow! Yeah. Um, and so, like, there's going to be, I'm sure, a point in time where you're like, what do you want to do? Well, I want to watch this, or I want to watch this, or I want to see this, or I want to, you know. Um, and his stated priority is going to be screen time because it's, it's like... Uh, you know, it's intense, yeah. man. Screen screens are awesome, and I think um, you, if you asked Elliot, what would you rather do? Like I, you know, I'm not here telling you that he would answer otherwise. Like he'll answer his first like eight favorite things or screen time, but you don't. You just don't let reading go to zero. That's my. Yeah. That's that's all I care about right now. That makes sense. Like, just keep it going in the background. This is a thing that we do. It doesn't need to be number one. <laughs> I but know. it needs to be there. Yeah, yeah, it needs to be there. And oh, I can't. Yeah, I. That's that's where I am on it. Um, With you being, that's where you're at on it. Anything else you want to throw out there in our reading discussion and being dads and raising sons? 
that are going to have a book in their hands with regularity. I'm trying to... Um... I mean, there's so much good stuff out there, and I'm trying really hard to not uh, do my, this may be a challenge that's unique to me, but not do my, like, this book is, this book is garbage thing to it. Yeah. Like, he will, because uh, his brother's gotten these um, old, I'll call them old, the old, by old I mean they were books that Elliot was reading when he was like two and three, like going through the kind that are like uh, all short I sounds, you know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> dig yeah. Dig a pit, dig it big, uh, <laughs> dig out, dig, right? Um, he will, he'll go back to books like that and, and like pull those out and it's not challenging for him. And, it's not, <laughs> and I find myself kind of going like, no, you know, you were at a level where you were just like crushing these kind of like more dense books that are challenging, like going through like Shel Silverstein poems with that have some nonsense words in them. And, and you you were there. Why are we back here with Dig Al Dig? And um, uh, uh, it is not easy for me to like just let that go just be like it's fine you can look at you can bust out those cardboard picture books with your brother you, you know what i mean oh yeah i hear you the ones that Makes are sense. half eaten half eaten <laughs> <laughs> we got a number we got a couple of them uh right on, man yeah that's where i am with that any um man i, I one of the things that i'm hearing in the background of you talking about this, so you haven't, that that hasn't been there, I think for other topics, is for you a sort of like, it seems like there's a, uh, a pressure there or a desire there that, uh, that I haven't, heard, a very specific one that I haven't heard on, on other things that we've talked about. Does that make sense? It does. It feels um, like there's a lot at stake here. It, yeah, yeah. I, and Sam's going to say it again when we recorded last time. Another thing I mentioned is reading is about as close to religion as I have. And so that's that's like the level of... That's how imperative it feels to me. And it's one of those things where it's... I. I don't want to get this wrong. <laughs> and it's also probably the thing where I, I want to, it, it, this is in me. I want this passed down to my son. There are so many other aspects. I look at what I want for easy and so much of it is I'm not good at this. I hope he is. I hope he's an awesome swimmer and he loves math. I think those things are important and I'm garbage at both of them. So but that reading thing, I look at what has, there isn't any aspect of my life that hasn't been improved by, by reading. It touches everything. It's just become so essential to me. And it's like, gosh, I hope he gets that. And so there's part of me, it's like, I don't want to project too much. I just want to happen naturally, organically, but I want to make sure I'm doing the right things. And again, I think it's just you model it. We mentioned that last time. What you model usually just happens, and this will be an easy thing to model. 
and then I have this absurd, irrational paranoia. What if this kid just hates books? Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I, th- I, yeah, I don't know what it is. I, I mean, I don't have that same sort of level of panic, but I, I, um, I, I have friends who are religious, and I remember one of them told me once that like if his son doesn't become a Christian, he he will uh, wish. This is before his son was born, so I, you know. Everything changes, but it, uh, he said, "Like I will, I will wish that I didn't have a son." Yeah, I'm not at that level. <laughs> I, I, I mean, that blew my mind. Um, but I, I think that there are a lot of, of um, putting it in the context of religion, um, that starts to make sense to me in terms of what you, <laughs> you know, everything's at stake. Is what it sort of feels like, right? Yeah, uh, and you know what? Here's the deal, Johnny. It's probably not. <laughs> it's probably not all at stake. But I have, I have such. It's so important to me that it, it's becoming baggage. Oh man! You know what I mean? What you just said it was irrational. Yeah, totally, totally acknowledging it. Uh, I mean, how are you? How are you, you know, living you, you with You know that? how many people that are they're just fine in life and. Once they got, once it's no longer an obligation, they never cracked open a book. There's millions of them out there. They're fine. I just know it can be so much better. Just as long as not everyone. You just have to make sure that not everyone stops reading. Um, <laughs> yes. I want my son to be part of the uh, continue reading contingency. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully he's part of the contingency. But if he's not, as long as, as long as there are a few... We only sure. need a few. Uh, I, I mean, I think that's... Uh, I, I have so many things that I sit with and, and I know that they are irrational and yet they affect and impact me as though they were absolutely real. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you my favorite... Maybe my all-time favorite quote, which my wife hates it when I say this. It's a fool who looks for logic in the chambers of the human heart. Why does your wife hate that? That's a good one. <laughs> it's a great one, but anytime somebody does something that doesn't make sense, like we're driving, why would he cut off? Why, why would he pull out in front of me right there? Hey. I don't know the logic went into this decision. No. So you can be angry about it, but it's a fool who looks for logic in the chambers of the human heart of the man that just cut you off. It applies to so many things to me, and it really probably isn't relevant. And I'm no, 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 try to one. force. You're a quotes guy. That's like your thing. I don't. I don't have it's quotes. Probably for all these stupid books I read. <laughs> well, I don't. I can't pull like quotes out. Like you keep pulling these quotes out of the of thin air. I don't think I let me. Uh, yeah, no. At best, I will have like poorly paraphrased versions. I uh, talk- and I'm gonna say there's at least like three Johnny quotes that I will bust out. Oh no! On the rack, just so you know, Ugh. you're in you're in the canon. Ugh. I've hey, said before. Some- yeah, before we wrap up though, you've said some brilliant things. You've said some garbage, but we all have. <laughs> you've said some brilliant things. Um, before we wrap up, do you remember what you closed shop up with last time? I have no idea. You no said, idea. Sam, 
Sam, let's both do a book oh, recommendation. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do a book recommendation. Because I've changed. Because the two I recommended were Let the Great World Spin, and I think I also um, said White Teeth. Um, <laughs> yeah, those aren't good anymore. No, they're still good, but um, I'm going to go... I'm gonna I'm gonna new recommendation. Okay. Uh, um, Running with Antelope by Scott Carrier. Oh, is this the hold, hold on? Is this the I haven't read it. Is this the book just about? Uh, um, it, it's about running like ultra distances and like chasing. It's, it's an aspect of it that there was like hunting, you know, hunting by running, hunting by running. That uh, okay, um, but that is. Scott Carrier, his brother, was doing research on this aspect and on this phenomenon, and he go out and run with him sometimes, but there's all these other little essays. It's a reoccurring theme, but there's other essays interspersed within there. Um, he's also got a really interesting podcast. Wait, is there, the is there like another book about the running I'm, thing that I, I'm thinking I'm of? Probably. Probably. I think there's a bunch out there. People are into this running thing now. Oh, this might... I, well, it was basically... So, uh... <laughs> this is now is my English degree uh, shining through as I'm about to talk about a book I haven't read. But I, I, <laughs> I, I feel like there is a just kidding. I read them all. Uh, I feel like there is a some book that's kind of about like, oh, like how did uh, Neanderthal get the protein that he needed to make his oh, yeah, yeah, brain yeah. grow well like he we have these limbs and we are one of the few animals that can hold our breath while running and control our breathing and so you can chase and this guy like goes <laughs> like learns how to do it and they basically just like chase an animal to death because when a quadruped animal is running its diaphragm is attached to its yeah it starts it just hyperventilates same concept, different book, because they never get to that level in Scott Carrier's book. Oh, okay. So this they is... attempt, they make a lot of attempts, but they don't ever pull it off. Okay. Spoiler. Well, I, I, it could be the same book for all I know, because I haven't read whatever book it is I'm talking about. Like somebody told me about it, and I was like, "Oh, that sounds cool," but it also sounds like it's gonna make me want to run. I hear you, man. I don't know about that. What do you got for recommendation? I'm gonna recommend the same book. It's in my top. It's in my top five, and and it's the it's the. You know, like if I had like a top five albums, it's gonna be like there's gonna be a Led Zeppelin record in there. There's gonna be a Beatles record in there, or whatever. This is the like the sleeper. This is the, the B side. Yeah. <laughs> that jumps in there. It's the History of Love by Nicole Krause, and it's uh. It's like one of the books that uh, occupies that space. It's sort of right in between um, where like I just want to read it because it's beautiful and uh, it kind of just tickles that uh, part of me that makes me want to sit down at the keyboard and write. It's just a beautiful novel. Um, I don't want... You want me to read (laughs) read the thing? It's good. It's just... It's just good. It kind of does this like multiple competing narratives and um, sort of feels like uh, a beautiful swirling kind of uh, mess for a while. And then you step back at the end of the novel and you can see the whole painting. Um, So it's cool. I dig it. 
And uh, speaking sh- of reading and writing, can I can I mention what's up on Medium right now? You, uh, yeah. Because you got you got a cool little piece on Medium right now that I read last night and made me smile and was super good. So maybe we could put a link to that. We could put a link. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. Because tr- I think I think it's worth. Re- I think it's uh, totally totally worth reading on a lot of different levels. I'm, tr- and, I'm trying a new. I'm trying a new thing. I mean, this is a this is a very new way of writing for me and a very new thing. But I just I wanted to ruminate. I like I like using the word marinade in this context when it's just kind of disgusting. But I wanted to marinate on just kindness and people who are kind in easy and small ways that are so natural for them that they're likely to forget it. You know what I mean? Like just that's uh, that's pretty. I think that's really important, actually one of the reasons why I loved it so much. So yeah, I'm going to put a link when we post this stuff up so people can find that if it's still there, if that's cool with you. Hey, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's uh yeah, this is the first bit of promotion. Hey, this podcast is brought to you by Johnny's article on medium. <laughs> Johnny's, Johnny's short story on medium. Go check it out. Right on, man. Use the hey. discount code. <laughs> I think, uh, I think I re- I think my sound worked on my end. I'm excited for us to have another episode. I'm excited for us to get just to get one down after our, our series of, of mishaps. So we're, I thought we'll be back on track next Friday again, too. We're rolling with the punches. We're good to go. Right on. All right. I'll talk to you All next right. week, Thanks, Johnny. All right. Take care. Bye. Do you want to do my podcast? Rub some dirt on it. Just rub some dirt on it. I love this podcast. Rub some dirt on it my new super awesome podcast. I don't know what Brainiac came up with the whole dirt thing anyway.